to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Are you tired or frustrated by the whole dating experience? Have you experienced a lot of heartache in your romantic relationships? Do you struggle to understand why your relationships don't last? If you answered yes to any of those questions, today's episode is for you. We're talking about dating and relationships. In therapy, we talk about what's needed in a successful romantic relationship. The three C's. Chemistry, compatibility, and commitment. It's easy to know whether you have chemistry with someone. If you're physically attracted and you like spending time together and it feels good, you have this one covered. Compatibility refers to the idea that your personalities can match and your long-term values are in line. Like, do you have similar goals for the future? Do you share similar beliefs about life, money, and family? Those sorts of things. And commitment is about how much the two of you want to commit to each other. You don't necessarily need to decide that you're in a long-term commitment. You just need to be on the same page about what level of commitment you have. So while all that sounds simple and straightforward on the surface, finding a partner is complicated. Emotions can cloud your judgment. And the words coming out of someone else's mouth might not line up with their behavior, which can leave you feeling confused. And of course, there are going to be disagreements, conflict, and struggles that make the whole dating experience difficult. So here today to clear up how you can navigate the dating scene is Nick Vial. You might know him from the Bachelor franchise. But before you roll your eyes and think that a former Bachelor contestant isn't going to help your dating life, listen to this. He has a new book out called Don't Text Your Ex Happy Birthday. I read it and it's solid relationship advice. He's learned a lot from his breakups, his mishaps, and his dating disasters. Some of the things he talks about today are the lies we often tell ourselves when we're dating, how our egos can get in the way, and the strategies we can use to establish healthy boundaries. Make sure to stick around until the end of the episode for The Therapist Take. It's the part of the show where I'll break down some of Nick's strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. So here's Nick Vial on how to avoid some of the biggest emotional and behavioral mistakes in the dating world. Nick Vial, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. So I'm a therapist. And when I saw that you had a book coming out, I'll admit, I kind of raised an eyebrow like, oh, good, The Bachelor's now writing a, a relationship book. But I have to say it's really good. I read it and that your advice is quite solid. So your book is called Don't Text Your Ex, Happy Birthday and Other Advice on Love, Sex and Dating. But I think you did a really good job giving out solid advice to readers. Well, I I appreciate it. Um, that that uh, certainly means a lot. Yeah, I, I um, you know, being a, a someone from the Bachelor franchise comes with its uh, pros and cons. I always uh, advice I will give to my peers uh, who are coming off the show. I remind them that the show will give you incredible access, but won't give you any credibility. Um, and uh, it's something that's always I've always been mindful of. And so, 
Uh, I appreciate hearing that from you. And as, as you know, if you read the book, I'm, I'm quick to mention that I'm not an expert. I'm not a therapist. I haven't studied it. Uh, I have lived some of these experiences. And if you find my advice to be helpful, wonderful. Uh, but uh, certainly always consult with your uh, actual therapist on, on all questions related to your mental health. But you touch on some things that I think are universal problems that a lot of people experience and struggle to put into words. You did a great job breaking those things down. So one of them, you talk pretty early on in the book about the fact that we lie to ourselves. I'd love yeah. to know, why do you think we lie so much to ourselves when it comes to our relationships? Well, I think first and foremost, I think the reason we lie to ourselves more than anyone else is because we're the person we talk to the most, you know? Uh, and for someone like myself, who is kind of a heady in your head person, um, it's just, it's just very easy to try to, uh, or, or it's, well, or rather it's actually harder to know sometimes in the moment what's best for you, uh, in the immediate future and what's best for you long-term. Right. And I think sometimes we will give into things like boredom and loneliness, um, and, and we will focus on what our egos are telling us and we will seek validation rather than, you know, uh, what may, my, what might be better for our hearts. Um, and, I think that just makes it really easy for us to lie to ourselves because um, it's just so easy to negotiate with ourselves with the boundaries we set, you know? It's just like, oh, well, do I really, you know, do I, you know, I mean, maybe I just want to hook up with them. You know what? I'm, I'm sex positive and things like that. And deep down, you know that you have feelings for this person and maybe sleeping with them once again after you've already tried to define a boundary and say, hey, listen, I, I really like you. I want to see where this goes. And they give you the old, well, I'm not looking for a relationship right now, but like, I like hanging out with you. And then, you know, you were like, well, I'm cool. I, I can, I can handle that. I'm mature. Like I can be in control of my feelings. And sometimes we have to, you know, be gentler to ourselves about some of our own limitations and, 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 and realize that's okay. And that's, and, and that's good. But uh, it's just very easy to try to give into that because, you know, uh, we hate being bored. We hate being, um, we hate having nothing to do. And sometimes, uh, we would rather feel pain than boredom. And it's pretty easy to then lie to ourselves, uh, especially when we're feeling, you know, and, you know, down or, you know, things seem slow or feeling lonely and things like that. Yeah. That was a part of your book that really stuck out to me too, is when you talked about that, that when given the option between boredom and pain, people will often choose pain, pain. something we don't really yeah. talk about often. And it yeah, doesn't really make sense. We'd think, no, I choose boredom all day long. But the truth is, we'll often opt for pain, won't we? Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, pain is stimulation, right? And just like so, so is love. Um, and our brain wants to feel stimulated. And so it just will seek out something rather than nothing. And, and even if that something is pain. And early on, something you mentioned too, but early on in your book, you get pretty clear on like expectations and boundaries and the difference yeah. between the two. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, expectations are, are the you know, goals that you have for a relationship, right? I, I want to be in a monogamous relationship. I only want to date one person. I, uh, I want to be with someone who makes me feel like a priority or that I talk to on a regular basis. Um, and those are expectations you want to be able to communicate. I think boundaries is something where people get confused. Boundaries are something you set with yourself. Mm. Um, and, you know, like a boundary would be like, I, I don't want to have sex with someone who isn't committed to me, who or is also sleeping with other people. A boundary could be if I'm participating in hookup culture, uh, I want to make sure I always have protected sex, right? Now you have, you set the boundary with yourself, then you want to communicate that boundary with the person you're with, and then you want to be able to enforce that boundary. 
And oftentimes the hard part about enforcing a boundary is you sometimes have to walk away or say no to it, you know, what you, what you say you want. I mean, maybe it's the relationship with a certain person. Um, you know, it's not up to, you know, like we want other people to respect our boundaries, but it's up to us to enforce those boundaries. And the more we enforce them, the more likely other people are to respect them. And so often people get that wrong about what a boundary is. And we think it's because we want to change somebody else's behavior. So you say, don't call me after 10 PM, but then we're thinking, cause then they'll start calling me earlier. Or we tell people not to do these certain things in hopes that it will somehow shift their behavior. And then we get mad if they don't change their behavior, but really it's just showing that, okay, this is my boundary. I set it. So what am I going to do about it now? If this person doesn't change their behavior, I have to make a choice. Yeah, that's, that's really the tough part. It's something certainly I had struggled with for a big part of my adult life. Um, you know, kind of like I said, everything I wrote in the book is something I had to learn the hard way. Uh, but that once you learn that skill, it, it becomes a lot easier. And you also just feel in more control um, because we, it's very easy to not respect the boundaries we set for ourselves. And then again, renegotiate with ourselves about, oh, is that, do I really want that to be a boundary? You know, because right now this boundary feels really inconvenient to the thing I want to, I want the most. And so uh, that, that is the challenge. But the more you can do that, the better you're communicating, the more you, the, the less confused you feel uh, and you feel way more in control, you feel way more powerful. And why do you think it is though, that sometimes we are so slow to talk about like our level of commitment? So many people are in this gray area where they're like, what are we doing? What do we call this? Are we... Is this going to be a long-term thing? And it feels like a, such an uncomfortable thing for people to bring up sometimes. It, it really does. I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? I mean, people seem to be far more likely to just hook up with someone and sleep with someone they barely know. But the idea of defining a relationship is like a non-starter for so many people. Um, and I, I really think it a lot has to do with uh, the paralysis of choice that social media and dating apps bring us. I, I'm a huge, I think dating apps can be great. Um, I'm pro dating app, but you really have to have, again, boundaries with yourself about how you utilize those dating apps, right? Because also dating apps, um, I also call them kind of uh, validation tools, right? And also like rejection tools, because like even subconsciously when you're on a dating app, you know how it works, right? You You swipe right, you swipe left. So every time you swipe right with someone, immediately if you don't match, your subconscious is feeling rejected, you know? And every time you feel rejected and your ego pops up wanting more and more validation. So you really got to be careful about how you use dating apps. Um, But we have so much access to everybody. I think everyone, you know, they want to find their their perfect person, right? Um, I I use the analogy in my book. It's uh, you go on Netflix, you know, back in the day when you had basic cable and my parents didn't even have cable. I had like four channels, right? Me too. Saturday. Saturday afternoon rolls around, you're, you, you're cleaning the house, you put on TNT and Legally Blonde is on or The Fugitive is on or Shawshank Redemption. And it's like a, a classic movie. And like, no matter where that movie was, you were happy to have it on and you'd start watching it. And now when you turn on Netflix, there's literally thousands of choices. And we'll spend 30, 40 minutes just watching all these previews, constantly looking for that perfect preview. But like, we're, we're so reluctant to just start a movie just to see if we like it or not knowing that if we don't like it, we could always just turn it off, right? And dating's the same way, right? Like sometimes you just have to start the movie. You have to get to know someone. You have to invest some of your time and have them invest theirs, you know, prioritize each other, ask questions, get to know. And listen, I, breakups are tough, 
But like in two or three months, when you realize, hey, maybe we're just not compatible as we thought we can be, you can, you can end things. But at least you're getting somewhere. At least you're going to know people. Nowadays, we're spending all this time hanging out, sleeping with each other, not really communicating, not really getting to know each other. We're so afraid of committing that then we'll, like, we'll kind of have one foot in, one foot out. And then that just leads to more confusion, more frustration. And everyone's just so non-committal. And um, I, I really think it's because I think we all have the best intentions, right? We, we still have, we're told kind of the fair, you know, we want that fairy tale ending. Uh, but sometimes we just have to be willing to like press play, watch the movie, see if we like it, and then decide if we want to keep watching. And I think that's where that honesty with ourselves come back comes in because sometimes we people are quick to say, I'm going to move in with somebody, but they haven't even had a conversation yet about their level yeah. of commitment or where this is going. And yet they just make assumptions or maybe they lie to themselves about their partner's behavior and think, well, they're only doing this because of X, Y, and Z. So they're showing you they're not all that committed. But on the other hand, your wishful thinking thinks, well, maybe they'll change or we make excuses for it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Because I think and that's where I kind of talk about that meeting your ego, which was a, a big pivotal moment in my life after I got cheated on by my then fiance. But I realized so many of my choices that I was making in life, and especially in my relationships, were, were more ego-driven. And the desire to feel special or what people would think about me or you know, how this would look. And, that, and, and I realized, boy, well, I was just setting myself up for failure. You know, I, was, I was dating someone that I thought we looked good together and that kind of fit into a certain bucket only to like reflect back and go, I don't know if we were compatible at all. You know, like, I don't know if we really even enjoyed being around each other, but we sure liked taking pictures with each other. We sure liked showing up to parties together and things like that. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit, but I think we, we all do that because, you know, our ego is always in our, head, in our head telling us, you know, you have to be the best. You have to be special. You have to win. You know, it's like that kind of youthful feeling like, you know, I remember being my first girlfriend, um, me and my buddy, I met my first girlfriend and my buddy met her friend. And so the two of us were all like double dating. And I remember us kind of like jokingly had these conversations about what, but it wasn't always joking, right? It was like, which couple's more in love? You know, you know, it's like stuff like that. And like, it, we wanted to be like more in love. And they're like, that's, it's so trivial and not important. Uh, especially if you're comparing yourself to other relationships or other people. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, relationship to me is all about just a team, a partnership, you know, trying to, you know, build that partnership and that, that, that relationship up together. Um, and no, nothing else really matters. It doesn't really matter what other people are doing or what they're saying. But as long as you guys are there for each other and supporting each other, um, you know, I think that's what it's really all about. But it's definitely a, a challenge. And one of the things you talk about in your book is those pet peeves versus non-negotiables. So yeah. I know people who have dated somebody that's a completely different religion. And they and for them, maybe that was a deal breaker. Like, we can't ever get married and my values aren't going to sure. change. Yeah. But yet we're still going to date for four years. And we don't really know why, because this isn't, in the end, this isn't going to turn out well. But we don't want to break up either. And they don't really have that conversation like, well, this would be a non-negotiable. We probably shouldn't get started. <laughs> Yeah, that can be a challenge. Exactly. I mean, sometimes living long distance is a non-negotiable or religion or, or family values. I mean, um, those are real, like those are important things. And, and, and again, that comes down to having a conversation with yourself first. Like what's truly important to me? Not only what do I want now, but what I want for myself in the future. And a tough lesson I had to learn is like, you know, love does not conquer all. Like love is not the answer for everything. Um, 
you have to be able to, um, you know, be on the same page. You have to be able to communicate. You have to have compatibility for love to flourish, right? Um, because if you don't have those things, then like love can't, the love takes work and time and it can be super rewarding and it can be a wonderful and a very, like the, the greatest thing of all time. But if you guys uh, are constantly trying to negotiate with your true core values, you just end up resenting one another. And then you start asking the person you say you love to, to, you know, at the end of the day, if you are cognizant of your non-negotiables and you don't have that conversation with the people you date, ultimately, you, the two of you are going to be constantly asking the other person to sacrifice their boundaries. Um, and if you're doing that in any relationship, that's just always going to lead to resentment. And, you know, it's a sad, it's, a, you know, compatibility is a big part of relationships. You know, I think sometimes, again, like kind of useful love, you, I, you know, it doesn't matter. I love you. I'll fig- we'll figure it out, you know, type of thing. And um, you really need to have those kind of deep conversations and understand what's truly important to us. Do you want kids? Do you not want to have kids? You know, those things aren't going to change typically over time. You know, all the people, it's just, well, you know, they don't want kids now, but we'll wait and see. But they have a good job. You know, they make money. We, we laugh together. We like the same movies. Those are all nice. Um, but when you, when you have a non-negotiable that really takes away from your core values, that can really, you can basically, you're starting a relationship basically, you know, um, six feet under, so to speak, or you're, you're, you're certain from behind. And that just, it puts too much stress on a relationship, uh, to ha- to that requires that kind of communication and understanding that, uh, allows people to flourish in a relationship. Right. And then instead we focus more on those pet peeves, like somebody who, is slightly messy or they're late for five minutes and we think that yeah. that makes them a, a bad person to date. Yet at the same time, we don't really look at the bigger picture. Do you think most people know what their non-negotiables are? Um, I think they know, but I think most people don't take the time to think about them. Yeah. Right? I, think, I think deep down we really know, but I think sometimes we like to ignore those conversations we should have with ourselves. And I often, and I often think we are we're rarely ever communicating with them, because listen, and, and I and I empathize, right? Like it's it's hard to find people we are connected to. It's hard these days to get excited about someone. So once we get excited, we we just want to focus on that excitement, and and then again, that's where that line to yourself comes in. Well, we'll like kind of conveniently ignore questions that we probably should be asking because we don't want to like we don't want to ruin this kind of moment. We don't want to ruin this good thing, and that. And that's, um, that's the challenge. And then you did a good job in your book talking about the difference between emotions and emotional connection, right? That excitement yeah. that we feel early on in a relationship, yet we don't have those deeper conversations and we get the two confused. Yeah, I mean, I, so I, I really wanted to tackle hookup culture, um, which is obviously something that's really taken over the dating um, space these days. You know, now that we're, that we're more sex positive as a society, we are, you know, settling down later in life. And therefore, with dating apps and meeting people, more people are prone to you know, participate in hookup culture and, you know, be intimate with people. They're not in maybe committed relationships, which I've participated in that, like, you know, certainly no judgment. But I still think when it comes to having sex, it's still a very powerful thing. And we have to make sure that we really understand that difference between emotional and emotional connection. Because we can feel, like you said, any type of emotion, right? Um, even feeling anxious can sometimes mask itself as like, ooh, I'm really excited about them. Uh, but emotional connection really comes down to truly knowing each other, right? Feeling safe around that person. 
having an emotional connection means that you, you're not wondering how they feel about you, right? You're not, you're not worried if you say something silly or dumb that if they're, if, is it going to completely change how they feel about you? Uh, you're, you're feeling more you know, secure and, and you have clarity rather than confused and insecure, right? And early on in dating, that, that takes a long time. You know, the first few months, you know, most of the time, especially since we're often not defining a relationship, we could be sleeping with someone for six to eight weeks and still feeling a little confused about how they feel about us. Uh, not totally sure, like, is it, am I texting them too much or things like that? And, and we're sleeping with them. And again, that's fine, but that's where, again, that's where, that leads to the disappointment. I always say the less you know, the more likely things are to change. And um, we usually don't know much about people early on in dating. And so I think it's really important to just know the difference between any type of emotion and emotional connection. And if you are going to, say, participate in hookup culture, just do that knowing that you most likely don't have the emotional connection. And if not, things can change drastically. And so do so knowing that's the case. And at least you'll be prepared for things to change rather than, again, lie to ourselves about, well, I really like them. I know them. I've spent every day with them for a week. And we, we know a lot about each other. There's no way our feelings can change. And that's just not being realistic. And then we set ourselves up for you know, major heartbreak and disappointment. And that leads us to feeling used and let on. And certainly people are going to lie to us. We can't, you know, we can't control what people do. But the more we can just be honest with ourselves about our emotions for this relationship and how strong they are and how much clarity we have versus how much confusion we have, that'll go a long way to avoiding us getting disappointed. Yeah. One of the things I was finding a lot for people that would come into therapy is they would meet somebody on a dating app and they would believe how the person described themselves, hook, line, and sinker. And then that didn't really match up with the person's behavior, but they were like, well, the description of this person was that they love this and they're yeah. adventurous and they're a family person, but then they would meet them and that didn't really line up, but it would take a while for them to catch up and be like, oh, this person's description of themselves doesn't match up with the behavior that I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, totally. I, there's that, I, I think a section of my book called Never Stop Learning. And it's kind of based off that premise. Again, it, you, it's, it's hard to find a connection. So I, I, I've made this mistake so many times in my life, right? But what I've noticed, especially with people calling into my show, is that we have this tendency of decide, like we want to find that connection. And so once we find it, we'll latch onto it and say, oh, I, finally, I'm excited. I like this person. And from that moment forward, there's something in our brain just like turns off wanting to learn anything about them. Then, we, then that focus is, well, now I want them to like me. And then if I get them to like me, well, let's just, let's just protect this bubble of me liking you and you liking me. And actually, let's just stop getting to know each other. I mean, no one's actually saying that, but it's essentially that's what people are doing. They're like, they're not really checking in. They're not like, if, if you go on a date with someone for three or four dates, and then like, maybe they do or say something that, and you think, oh man, that, that, that just doesn't feel right in my gut. Well, you know what? Everything else is great. This is exciting. I'm attracted to them. This is great. We're having fun. I'm not going to ask. That, I don't want to ruin this thing. And I think it's just really important, I think in all stages of a relationship, to, to check in. And anytime you notice change early, I mean, you know, my girlfriend and I now, like we've been dating for two years and I still feel like we're still in the fairly early stages of our relationship. I mean, we're you know living together. It's very serious. We're talking very you know serious next steps. But you know, when, when something, you know, we try to work on, when we notice something, we just say, Hey, listen, babe, can I just ask you about this? I'm feeling this. I, I don't know. I'm not, it's not your fault. It's not my, I don't know. Who, I don't even know if it's anyone's fault. I just know I'm feeling this and I want to address it with you and just talk about it. 
And that's something we started doing. I haven't done that in any relationship prior to this one. And it can be scary because that often leads to like awkward conversations. It can lead to one of us or both of us feeling a little defensive. But I think if you address it more early on, it's easier to find resolution and rather, you know, rather than, you know, get stuck in conflict. But you just really have to check in and keep learning about the person you're dating and being willing to find out more, even at the risk of finding out something you don't like. Because the upside is the more you learn, the more exciting it is. And that's, you know, people always ask, how do you keep the spark alive? And I don't like have all the answers to that. But I do know that if you are always interested in learning about who your partner is, because we're always changing as people, that does make things a little bit more exciting. It definitely does. And a lot of people come into my therapy office and say, well, my partner's changed over the years. Well, let's hope so. Let's hope they're growing and changing. And it doesn't mean that you can't grow alongside them or you can't still love them, even though they might not be exactly the same person, but their values are probably still going to be the same. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's comes down to, you know, the more you can practice early on to check in with the person you're dating and just ask them questions and, and just tell yourself, I like what I know so far but I want to keep learning and challenge yourself to like keep getting to know each other, ask questions, you know, and if you do it in a fun way, it it don't have to feel like an interrogation, but just always be willing to just, you know, peel back those layers and ask them what they think or feel about a situation and, and, and get into it because um, that can be, you know, again, it can be scary because we're always worried of it, of it ruining a good thing. But if it goes right, you're building such a strong foundation Uh, that can really keep that relationship strong for a long time. And something you said earlier too about how early on in a relationship, sometimes we're more focused on getting the other person to like us and we pay less attention because it feels good when somebody likes you, they hold you up on a pedestal. And in your book, you talk a lot about ego and how you came to a point where you were able to say, if I got cheated on, that's not necessarily a reflection of me. It's a reflection of the other person's behavior. How did you get to that point? Um, well, it took a while. Um, but, um, I just, you know, I, well, I, I started, I started thinking about my ego, uh, you know, and that was the time and when it happened. And I just kind of stepped, I just was like, why do I feel such shame? I didn't do anything, you know, like, I, I'm not saying I was a perfect partner, but I definitely was faithful. Right. And why, you know, I started, uh, asking that question and I, I talk about this in my book, but I just, kind of like thought to myself, I'm just going to start telling people I got cheated on because before I was so embarrassed to acknowledge it. I didn't want to, I was, I just pretended it didn't happen. And my, the reaction kind of surprised me, you know, like it's common sense, you know, everyone was like, oh, that was really crappy of her. Like no one looked at me like I was, there was anything wrong with me, but that was just my ego telling me something was wrong with me. My ego was saying, well, why'd you let this happen? Like no one was ever supposed to cheat on you. You're special. And the truth is that can happen to anyone. Like obviously we see in the news all these, you know, celebrities, you know, cheating and they have these super attractive partners with a lot of fame and we all act surprised. It's like, how could anyone, like anyone can cheat on anyone, right? Because it comes down to uh, trying to fill some sort of need, you know, that you're, you're not getting and you do it in a very kind of immature and, and, and selfish way. Um, but I'll tell you what, if you can get to that place, not only are you no longer um, judging yourself for getting cheated, you just live with less fear. Um, you know, someone asked me, uh, I actually, I, I, I got asked a question not too long ago um, about uh, what would you do if Natalie cheated on you? And uh, her mom actually recently reminded me of this question I got sent because unfortunately her mom, you know, uh, this happened to her mom recently. Mm. 
uh, with her boyfriend. And so she, she was kind of struggling. Um, and then, um, so she reminded me of it. Let me just bring it up quick. Um, and someone said, uh, someone said, Natalie is so beautiful. She can have anyone she wants. Do you ever get scared? She could cheat. And I wrote back, her beauty has nothing to do with her integrity. And I love knowing she has options and chooses me. If she did cheat, then she would cease to be the person I'd love and, be, and believed in. I would be sad about losing what I thought I had, but it would be, it would be her problem to face, not mine. I don't love scared. Um, and again, it just comes down to, I, you can be sad about a situation happening, but from that point forward, it was just like, well, I'm just going to choose to love the person. You know, so many people, if they get cheated on, they hold that weight and bring it into their next relationship mm-hmm. and then start questioning their future partner. And I, I just refuse to let that happen to me because again, you, you can never control what people control. I, I thought, well, what can I do to increase communication? What can I do to, um, you know, like to make sure that I'm not ignoring the red, the red flags and I'm, I'm, I'm not ignoring my gut. I, I'm never going to be able to like, I don't want to watch my partner. I don't want to like, you know, say, well, don't she like, you know, she, she goes out with her girls. Well, Hey, don't, be good type of thing. Like right. it's, it's her choice, you know, like I want her to choose to want to be with me. And when people don't like it, you can be sad, but like you're, you're just no longer afraid anymore because you realize that you, you still have your character. You still have your integrity. And while people may disappoint you, um, you it's not a reflection of you. And it just becomes uh, almost the opposite effect of never worrying about being cheated on you know, once I was cheated on and understood that I stopped ever worrying about being cheated on just because it was just like, well, then I will just be like, that's something you're going to have to deal with. But, but, uh, and I'll be sad, but I won't, I won't worry about what I'm going to do. I'll just, I will heal and move forward. Right. I've never met anybody whose behavior was able to prevent somebody from cheating. If they were with somebody who was going to cheat, snooping, spying, lecturing, all of those things tend to backfire and don't, do. don't work out. Yeah. We all act like, Oh, like, well, how do I, how do I stop my next partner from cheating? I was like, well, I don't really like, you know, just communicate and, and, you know, and, and really understand who they are, you know? So last question, one more piece of advice. If somebody says, gee, I haven't found the right person yet, but I re- would really like to, where do they start or what do they do differently? How do they get out there and say, okay, I'm ready to find that person? Uh, I think, you know, more than anything, it's, I think it's awesome you have, you're, you're ready to get out there, but just be patient with yourself. You know, the, the, the greatest things in life almost never come uh, when we want them to come. And if you are someone who is searching for a, a monogamous relationship to last you a lifetime, that can be an incredibly special thing. And just remember, um, you know, hopefully all of us have a long life to live, so to speak. And, you know, things take, great things take time to build. So be patient with yourself. Enjoy the journey. Don't, uh, don't feel like there's a difference between being single and being alone. You know, just because you're single, you're not alone. Uh, take advantage of the opportunity to date. You know, there's a, it can be a grind. It has its frustrations, but it's also exciting and fun. It makes for great stories. You always miss that freedom when it ends um, and things like that. And uh, just kind of get back out there. Know when to take breaks, just like, you know, just like working out. You know, like you can you can work out too much and fatigue your body. You have to you have to know when to rest. And so, take those breaks. Um, have a good community of friends, and 
yeah, just uh, I, I just get out there and you know get on the apps, know when to take a break, and um, eventually it's going to it's going to find it as long as you can just try to be honest with yourself, set up for next upfront upfront expectations. Um, I, I I firmly believe that if you do all that, everyone's going to find their person. They just, they just might have to be a little bit more patient than they want. All right, now I know I said last question, but I do have one more. Why should you not text your ex happy birthday? Uh, well, because it's never with the intentions that you uh, actually want. I mean, listen, if I, you know, if you've been broken up with your ex for five years, you guys are completely different and you have a true friendship, text away. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's those weeks or months that follow a breakup. We're always looking for that excuse to reconnect, right? And if you're the person who, who's broke up with you, uh, who, if you're the person who's been broken up with, you're always you're looking for that closure that you think the other person can give you, but really it's up to you. And you just want to check in and hope that they miss you. And trust me, that's there. It's just going to be a reminder that they still don't want to be with you, uh, because nothing's worse than like wishing them a happy birthday and they just go, "Thanks." Right. You know. And then if you're the person who broke up with somebody, and you think you're doing something nice, you're not, because like when they get that notification with your name and that split second between them getting the notification and reading your message, that simply just says, "Happy birthday." I hope you have a great day and nothing else. You're just reminding them once again that you don't want to be with them and you just ruin their birthday rather than make it special. And so, um, yeah, it's never intended for what you want it to do. You're, you're not being nice. You're not being considerate. If you, if you truly respected the relationship that you had with them, you know, let them have their day. Uh, even if they think they, that you should reach out, that's because they think they, they want you back and you're hoping you still care. You have to really kind of separate that, you know, you're no longer together. And part of not texting your ex on your birthday is accepting that you are supposed to move forward, not backward. Wise advice. I hope everybody goes out and picks up a copy of Don't Text Your Ex on Their Birthday. Uh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. It's been a ton of fun. Oh, thanks for being here. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll give you my take on the strategies Nick shared and discuss how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of my favorite strategies that he talked about. Number one, get clear on your boundaries. Nick talked a lot about the importance of establishing boundaries for you, not for someone else. This is really important, but it's tough to do. That's why we've talked about boundaries on the show several times before. When you've set a boundary like you decide you don't want someone to meet your children until you've been dating exclusively for a while, it's your job to ensure that you're going to enforce that boundary. That might mean telling someone they can't come to your place when the kids are home or that they can't meet your family yet. You might create boundaries on your time, your physical space, your emotions, your money, your body, and your material things. Doing so essentially says to someone else, these are the rules on what I will or will not do. If someone doesn't respect your boundaries, it doesn't mean you need to change your rules. Instead, it means you need to take a look at the relationship and why that person isn't respecting the rules. It might also be a sign that they don't respect your needs. Number two, identify your non-negotiables. Nick talked about knowing what our non-negotiables are. Like, I can't be in a serious relationship with someone who wants kids, or I can't date someone who has different political opinions. When you start dating someone who exhibits something that you consider to be a non-negotiable, you should probably end the relationship. Don't stick around hoping that they'll change and don't work on trying to change them. That's not going to work out for either of you. Instead, free yourself up so you can meet someone who you're more compatible with. 
And number three, check your ego. Nick talked a lot about ego, and it's something he discusses a lot in his book. It's something to be aware of. Being with someone who's rich or someone who looks great might inflate your ego so much that you overlook the fact you aren't compatible with that person. Or you might find you get a self-esteem boost by being on dating apps, even though you're also in a relationship where you want to be committed. So it's important to consider how your ego might be getting in the way of having a healthy relationship or how it might be keeping you stuck in a relationship that isn't necessarily one that has long-term potential. So those are three of Nick's strategies that I highly recommend. Get clear on your boundaries, identify your non-negotiables, and beware of your ego getting in the way of healthy relationships. If you want to hear more of Nick's tips, check out his book, Don't Text Your Ex, Happy Birthday and other advice on love, sex, and dating. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcasts.